everyone, we are almost to the finish line. It's Pastor Mike from Time of Grace, and I want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to the audio version of this book called The Basics. Before we start chapter 5, I want to remind you that you can download a free copy of the entire book. Just go to timeofgrace.org backslash the basics. Now please enjoy chapter 5. Chapter 5, Faith. Just weeks after his resurrection, with his mission fully accomplished, Jesus returned to heaven. What happened next? Jesus' closest followers, called the apostles, told everyone who would listen about God, about how sin separates us from him, and about Jesus. What was their hope? That listeners would believe their message and trust that what Jesus did for them was true. Here's one of the most famous examples about Paul and Silas, two leaders from the early Christian church. They spoke to a prison guard who was suddenly terrified that he was not good enough to be with God. We read these words in Acts chapter 16. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What do you think Paul and Silas said? Did they give the jailer a checklist of good things to do? A list of commandments that he had to keep? A minimum requirements for heaven overview? No, 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 no. Thank God. They just gave him Jesus. Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Just believe. Just trust. Just rely on Jesus for everything, for your forgiveness, for your salvation, for your future. It is all about Jesus. And it still is. Doing good things is a vital part of following Jesus, but doing good isn't what you do to get saved. While that might seem logical, it's actually terrifying because the pressure is on you. And you would be doing good things for a bad reason, just to avoid missing out on heaven. You would you would never know if you were good enough. That's why Jesus did everything for you. Believe that. Trust in him. He will inspire you to do good, not as a way to work your way up to God, but instead as a way to thank God for doing the work to get to you. There's actually a fancy word for all of this that you might have heard, the word repent. Now, the word might make you a bit nervous. For many people, the idea of repenting is connected to a red-faced, angry, Bible-thumping guy in a suit who probably didn't have many friends in middle school. (laughs) He's angry, he's yelling, that's repentance, right? No, but that's not entirely true. In fact, it's almost entirely not true. Back in Jesus' day, the word repent simply meant to change your mind about something. You used to think one way, but now you think a different way. That's literally repentance. Perhaps you used to think it was okay to do that, but now you believe that behavior is not okay. Or maybe you used to believe God was like this, but now you believe that God is a little bit different than you previously thought. If you want to be technical about it, repentance in the Bible actually has two parts. The first part is about sin, and the second part is about Jesus. 
Specifically, to repent means to believe that your sin is deadly serious, maybe more serious than you previously believed. It has the power to separate you from God forever. Now, the second part of repentance is to believe that Jesus is absolutely incredible, maybe more incredible than you ever thought. He did everything to get you back to being good with God today, tomorrow, and forever. That's repentance. And that's what the early Christians said to their neighbors after the death of Jesus. You guys all thought that putting Jesus on a cross wasn't a big deal, but it was. That was God's only son, and and you killed him. Repent. Change your mind and agree that you have sinned. You deserve God's anger, but don't despair. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the dead to prove that it's true. Change your mind and agree that you are forgiven. You're good with God through faith in Jesus. That's repentance. Change your mind and agree with God. If you've read or listened this far, it's very possible that God has already changed your mind about those two big things. You see, human nature wants to edit the first chapters of this book. We tend to consider ourselves better and less sinful than we actually are. And as a result, Jesus becomes nice, but not necessary. He's a good teacher who can give us some tips on moral living, but he's not the Savior who rescues us from the danger of missing out on God and happiness forever. And that's why Christians are people who repent. We change our minds about all those things and we agree that sin is worse than we thought and Jesus is better than we ever believed. When you think about it that way, repentance is really good news. (laughs) Maybe I should smile when I tell people to repent, urging them to see that God is more glorious, that, that Jesus is the best gift the world has ever received. There is a way for us to be saved. There is a way to escape shame and sin and hell. His name is Jesus. So repent. Change your mind and you will be good with God forever. Here's how Jesus himself put it in one of his very first recorded sermons. He said in Mark chapter 1, Repent and believe the good news. Now, if that weren't enough, God even promises to change us from the inside out. To transform our hearts so that they see his beauty, his love, and his power. This is why repentance is sometimes described in the Bible as a gift. What a gift it is. I think of the young man who received that gift not that long ago. There's a young man who used to wait in the church lobby while his family worshipped inside at our church. Honestly, I didn't expect any spiritual breakthroughs with a teenager who watched YouTube videos with his earbuds in and wasn't interested in giving Jesus, the one that I was preaching, a chance. But one day, this young man took his earbuds out. The message he was hearing about God and sin and Jesus intrigued him, so he decided to leave the lobby and join his family within the church. I can still see this young guy sitting there in the front row, barely blinking, leaning in like he didn't want to miss a single word. And then his questions for me came like a flood. Questions about creation, questions about salvation, questions about different religions, questions about everything. Our other pastors and I tried to answer them the best we knew how, and we prayed that God would change his heart so that he would see and agree with Jesus. And he did. I remember the day we played a video of his story, hearing how a kid who initially thought Jesus was just some story now saw Jesus as his personal Savior. 
Everything had changed. His heart changed. That's the beautiful gift of repentance. So, what now? Now, Perhaps your heart is nodding as you listen to this chapter. I, I think I do agree with God. I think I did repent. Something's different about me. I'm not thinking the exact same way that I did as I did before about God and about myself and about Jesus. What, what do I do now? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the honest answer is that you now get to spend the rest of your life going deeper and deeper into the things that you've read about this book. Day by day, you'll experience beauty and satisfaction and pleasure, great moments in your life, and you're going to think more and more, God is even better than this. And moment after moment, at the same time, you'll struggle with denying yourself. You'll struggle with doing just what you want instead of what God wants. You'll struggle with trusting in God instead of your own thoughts and opinions. You're going to struggle loving people like God first loved you. And night after night on this journey, you're going to come back to Jesus. Thankful that on the cross, he took away every sin so that you never have to wonder where you're at with God and you never have to fall asleep ashamed like a child growing in maturity, that's going to take some time. Like a tree that starts as a little seed and turns into a big, mighty oak, you won't change by next Tuesday. But over time, God will change you. He will change you from day to day, from this life into the next one, so that one day when you see his face, you will say with more joy than ever before, God. But until that day comes, As you're on this long journey that we call the Christian life, what should you do? Well, I would suggest two key things. First, God's word. Second, God's people. Let's start with God's word. The best way that God changes our minds and gives us faith is through the Bible. The Apostle Paul, this Christian who radically changed his mind about Jesus, once wrote this, Faith comes from hearing the message. Faith comes from hearing the message. If you want faith or a stronger faith, what do you do? You hear the message. Recently, my family and I got reservations for Easter brunch at a local restaurant where a buffet of sausage links, eggs, and fried chicken awaited us after church. I was ready to worship. (laughs) But as we stood in line in front of the sausage, my favorite station of all, the server squinted at me and asked, Do I know you from somewhere? Maybe Time of Grace, I suggested, the the TV show? (gasps) Yes, he beamed. My wife and I have been watching every week. But then, right before my eyes, he grew suddenly reflective. Thank you, Pastor. You've helped us. You don't know how, but... I actually never got to hear the end of that sentence. The buffet line was stacking up behind me, but... In that 15-second conversation, I was reminded that God changes people. When they lean in and listen, when they open the pages of his book and read, God changes people through his word. So here's my encouragement to you. Your number one goal should be to get as much of that message as you can. In the Bible, God has chosen to speak to us, to let us know what he thinks about us. He shares how he uses all things in life, even the hard things, to work out his unique plan for our lives and our future. Now, I'm not suggesting you quit school, give up your career, and live in the woods with a Bible. (laughs) 
That would be weird. (laughs) I am, however, encouraging you to start some good habits that keep you connected to God so that you can hear his voice every day, remember his promises every day, and stay charged up in your faith every day. For the past 25 years, I have tried to do that very thing every day. Every day I spend some time in the Bible, reading and rereading small sections, underlining stuff that jumps out at me, and asking questions about the things that I don't understand. I'm not lying to you when I say that after a quarter century of reading the same book, I'm not bored. God always has something brilliant to say to me, something that applies so perfectly to my day, which is why I love his word so much. So, get a Bible. Download a Bible app. They're free and they're amazing. Personally, I prefer a paper version since my brain is easily distracted when I have a device in my hands, but you can choose whatever works best for you. Since you're new, it's going to be a touch overwhelming at first. You're not going to grasp all the people and places and things the first time you read, and, and that's okay. Just stick with it. Take notes and write down questions. You'll be amazed at how much can happen in a few months when you commit yourself to this habit. Another option would be to find a good daily devotional. A devotional, it's a technical church term, is just something you read or watch that's based off of God's word. Time of Grace loves sharing devotionals, so consider checking out their website or signing up for our daily devotional emails. But I'm going to warn you, God's going to challenge you. (laughs) He's going to lead you to repentance. He's going to help you change your mind about things that you previously thought or believed. Your definitions of good and bad might shift just a little bit. I hope more than anything, your view of God and the love of his son shifts a lot bit. That's okay. Repentance isn't a bad thing. Agreeing with God never is. Second, let's talk about God's people. Doing life with people who believe the same things about God, about you, and about Jesus is extremely important. Even Jesus himself had friends who prayed for him in his times of greatest need, and you're going to need other people too. Please, 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 please don't be embarrassed. The reason God put other Christians in your life or at your church is to help you grow. Christianity is not a competition. It's a community. You don't have to impress anyone with how much you understand about the Bible or how well things are going with obeying God's commands. Just the opposite. In God's family, we have the blessing of being real with one another. We get to encourage each other in the faith. We get to ask honest questions of one another and find good biblical answers. And this essentially is what the church is all about. At church, I have the chance to listen to God, talk to God, sing praises to God alongside the people of God. Yes, as you probably know by now, church people are as messy and as flawed and as complicated as you are. But there's something powerful about gathering with them, a power that you simply don't get when you stay at home and try to connect with God on your own. So, if you don't have one just yet, start looking for a church. There are good churches and there are bad churches. There are healthy churches and there are toxic churches. So make sure that you find a church that loves the Bible, that opens the Bible, and helps you understand the Bible. Don't get too distracted by the age of the people there or the look of the church or the style of the music. No, instead find a church that is faithful to the things that you've learned so far. Find a church that talks about Jesus a lot. 
Find a church that doesn't flatter you too much. Find a church that makes God a huge deal, as big of a deal as he actually is. Find a church that Sunday after Sunday gets you back to grace and mercy and forgiveness, repentance and faith. That's a good church. New habits are hard, but make it your goal to go to church every Sunday if you can. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in those epic words, faith comes from hearing the message. And I want you to hear the message not just day after day in your home, but week after week at a good church. As you do this, be hungry for answers and humble enough to ask questions. Bring your list of Bible questions to church and ask someone if you can buy them coffee and search for some answers together. Email the pastor. Tell him you're new but would love to learn more about God's word. In my personal experience, Christian veterans love to help. They love to share with new people what they learned since they've been new to Jesus. With this new Christian family, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we sometimes say it, you can learn, you can grow, and most importantly, you can be blessed in Jesus. In the end, all this reading the Bible and connecting with people at church have the same goal, to get you as close to the heart of God as possible. To give you faith to believe that the God who saved you will also be with you every day for the rest of your life. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're finding this podcast helpful in your walk of faith, will you consider sharing it? Um, you probably know that word of mouth is one of the best ways that we can help other people connect to God, the basics, and really beyond the basics of the Christian faith. So help people grasp the height, the width, the depth, the beauty, the worthiness of our Savior Jesus Christ by sharing this with someone that you know. Thanks and have a great day.